This week's episode of the Inside Running Podcast is proudly sponsored by ASICS. Energize your runs with their Super Blast shoe, stacked with the bounciest, lightest FF Blast Turbo Foam technology for a supercharged ride. Visit asics.com.au or your specialty running retail store to grab your pair today. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to episode number 283 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Huge episode coming up this week. We've got all the Australian Athletics uh, National Championships to talk about. We're going to be joined by Jessica Hull. She's going to pop into the show in about 45, 50 minutes time. So it's going to be great to hear from her. Uh, all the usual segments, Moose on the Loose, listener question, what's coming up, a bit's coming up actually. So we'll preview a few things there as well. Welcome to my co-host, my only co-host at the moment, because the other one's still on his way home from training, Julian Spence, the 214 man from the Surf Coast Track Club. How are you this week? I'm good. Yep. Just carrying carrying Croker again, aren't we? Yeah. Well, we did have to. Sorry to our Patreon supporters. This show usually does go out on a Monday night, but um, Jess was unavailable last night and said she could do Tuesday night, though, and that's definitely something we wanted to snap up to make sure we could hear some uh, stories about her amazing weekend. So that's why we're a day late, and that's why Croaks isn't here quite yet, but he'll join us shortly, no doubt. But how are you, Moose? Going okay? Yeah, I've uh, I've been through it this week. Like... It feels like I've battled through the week and now I'm on the other side. So it's it was a strange week of training. Isn't it we- interesting, the whole week concept? Like, I'm not sure if you ever feel like like the fitness almost disappears on a Monday morning when you check your Strava and it's back at zero. Yeah, I hate the feeling of that. Yeah, I know. You work so hard to like close it off on a Sunday. You're happy with it. You check your training diary or your Strava <laughs> log or whatever it is. And then it's like... You've just done nothing Monday morning. You've got to start again. Yeah, and it feels like you've got to climb a mountain to get mm. back there. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. How, how on earth am I going to run that much? Yeah. I can't do that. Because you're all, also the sorest and the most tired of the entire week on Monday morning. Yeah, and 24 <laughs> hours difference in between, like, satisfaction and then almost disappointment that you've got to go again. I, had, yeah. um, I was trying to sort a niggle out, and I gave myself a week, and I just – you know, thought magically I'll wake up Monday morning and because it's been a week and I've given it a week and everything's like based around a week, I'm just going to get out of bed Monday morning. It's going to be fine again, but it wasn't. And then I'm just like, why did you even think that just because it's Monday, it was going to be feeling better again? So yeah, I'm sure Monday. there's yeah, I'm sure there's some listeners who can relate around thinking in days of seven. Yeah. Uh, tell us about your training though. What have you been doing? Um, well, I did two workouts this week. 
So I, I got sick. So I reckon last time we recorded a Monday night, I felt I was feeling yeah, sick. Yeah, you did. Yep. Yeah. So I, I got sicker. So I ran. Um, I was sick, and I had real sore calves after the the, the long steady run on the Sunday. So I um I, I doubled. So I did uh in the morning. I ran like just half an hour, very slow, over five minutes a k, and then in the Arvo I did five k on a treddy. And then ran just two k outside with with the dog to to give him some um, to give him like a bit of outdoor time before we record because I can't walk him of the evening. If uh, we, we we're straight into the the what is the, what are we going to call it the um, the rebuttal or the yeah the clarifications from the week before was it something yeah. like that yeah yeah so good from Kerners here Michael Kernahan. He has filled your Strava comments as as much as they can be filled and then had to go into a separate comment. He exhausted the uh, character count for the first comment, but he's basically agreeing with me about the AV membership on the Moose on the Loose rant last week. With all the, with all the controversial topics we hit last week, that's the, that's the one I didn't expect to see a whole Strava comment worth of um, words coming in on. No, but I appreciate Kerners. Yeah, and, so and he's got some good points. Rolling membership, I like it, and uh, like a subscription offer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, and he's he's his club's been there. My club brought this up with AV on numerous occasions, and they always brush it off. All clubs need to put pressure on them across the board to change this because it's a major barrier to increasing AV's membership base. Very good from Mentone, mm. and. Um, and this is the last response they got. And this is in quotation marks too, if you don't mind. This is a difficult one, as the way our membership platform works is that the season rollover archives all financial documents at the same time as members are archived. So if we had still had members joining for AV for the 2023 season, some elite athletes do this, uh, then we couldn't allow members early registration. That doesn't... That's just a reason why it's not working. It doesn't mean that you can't make a new system. Yeah, I anyway. think it's, that's, just, that's how it's been for a number of years and we don't want to move, move away from that is pretty not much interested. what they're saying. Yeah, Not interested in changing. Uh, next day I ran an hour, just um, calf doms again. So this was still trying to recover from that and I had that nice little fluey stuff. Heart rate was pretty high. Um, Wednesday morning, the... There was a workout. Ali had a workout. So this was a, a decent one for her. Um, three by 5K she did with a K float. This was down at um, Torquay. So we did this around the sands, warm up down along the Point Impossible kind of road, the, the road, like a dirt road. It was dark. There was a film crew there filming for, filming a, um, a video on Ali. So they like some sort of promotion. Yeah, for the for the, the New Balance shoes. It's not a full documentary. It's a bit of promotional stuff for the shoes that she's wearing, as well as promo for her. So when, uh, when you're talking warming up in the dark, do they say we want the best light so we need you here at this time? Or is it this what time I'm training? Come along. Yeah. Who calls no, this, the shot? This, this is the time that we're training. You come Good. here. I like that. Um, well, there's no other option. She's got a, she has to get back by 9.30 to get her, her baby. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. so there, there is literally no other option, um, and it could have been a better. Like we, we ended up doing it in the sands, which is a really terrible place to record. 
because it's just a suburb. You're running around suburbs basically when you um, could have really nice location like on the Sunday when we um, suggested to come down, but it didn't wasn't convenient. So they came down on the Wednesday and filmed the workout around the sands, which is a little boring, really. It'll be, make pretty shit video, um, but that's just how it rolls. Uh, it, it, it got light by the time the workout started. Um, I did two by 5K. So for, for me, I didn't want to do three. That was too much, especially with my calves being tight and the, um, the sickness. So the... Uh, the workout went pretty well. Like I, I actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull my, pull up my two five k's because my GPS is a little bit slower than hers. Um, so we we average. Oh, I don't know what we average. I just have k reps going. So it went three twenty six, twenty seven, thirty two, twenty six, twenty eight, and then we floated at three forty nine, and then went three twenty five, thirty two, twenty seven, twenty five. And the next one was 28 about because I, I, I somehow went shorter and I ran the next float 342. And then Ali got a bit quicker for the next rep. So I think it was overall, it was like 1704. Yeah, hers is 1708-1703-1657. Yeah, yeah. And as I left her, I, I specifically said, do not go under 17 minutes on this one. <laughs> like... I, I don't care what you do. Your one rule for the last rep, do not go under 17 minutes. And she comes back sheepish and she's like, oh, it was a bit quick. Um, but she's she was moving pretty well in this workout. I have was... realised though, listening to you recount Ali's training and her doing it on Road to London, there's often a few like differences. What, what sort of differences? There's often like the whole, when you saw that fire the other week. Yeah. Her story was completely different to yours. Oh, yeah. It's just she... some contrasting things. It's, I think you throw her under the bus usually early in the right. week and then she just can rebut when she records with Sinead and Nick. Yeah, she just hams it up a bit, I reckon. <laughs> not, um, I don't know one knows the truth other than you two. No, that's that's right. <laughs> like, and, and I'm a pretty honest guy, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I'm a pretty honest fella. Um, so so why do you want to do like, two? Because you were sore. Yeah, well, I didn't need three. She's getting ready for a marathon. I'm not. So yeah, but two. the session the week before on the Sunday, you didn't need 38k either, and you did that. And that was a good learning experience. Okay, good. I like that. <laughs> and so I come off this week. I'm like, I don't need to do that. Uh, and also, I wanted her. I th I want. I, I'm starting to learn that marathoners need a bit of time solo in a marathon build. Mm. I, I want them to go to places and have to work out how to get through things in their own head. And and you can't always do that if there's people out there perfectly pacing you around the most mint course on the best conditions possible and bikes are in front of you, handing you drinks conveniently and a lot of, like, company. It's it's, it's easy to get it done like that, but it's very rarely a marathon ends up where you're, you're with a pack until the finish line. Um, so I, I like the idea of dropping her off and having her work through the hardest part of the workout by herself. I, I think we'll do that in the future as well, a few a few um, workouts. Not so much for this build, but next build. I might even give her a few of those really long tempos solo and just uh, say, see you later, see you in a couple of hours. Uh, I always found that was really good for me in Ballarat. I, I, I sort of developed a lot of 
um, resiliency through that sort of training. Mm. Makes yeah. sense. Um, so next day, just I, I ran. What did I run with Bree? Yeah, I ran with Bree because I was sick. This was the sickest day, and I, I I was supposed to go to work on this day, but I ran this um, with with Bree, and then I'm like, Fuck, I can't. I don't think I should go to work today. Like, I'm just leaking out my nose, and I'm coughing and spluttering, and probably not the best, like environment for the staff and the customers so i decided to stay home but I've, i'm in this mode now where i don't want to give up training and so i was sort of battling with the idea of running in the afternoon just a double because i only ran 7k in the morning so I, i'm like uh, i'll get on the treddy for half an hour and i'll just make sure my heart rate stays low because i want that load on my legs I, I want to build mileage, and if I'm constantly taking days off and and only running short runs here and there, then I don't get enough base so that I can make the jump up in mileage. So I just wanted. So I got out there for half an hour, and it was really easy. And I don't think it did any. It wasn't detrimental at all. Uh, as long as I kept it, I ran five minute pace, so super slow uh, for me anyway. Like that's that was a pretty low heart rate, I reckon. Oh, I'm going to open it and see what my heart rate was because um, I think it's worth talking about. Yeah, my average heart rate, 117 for the run. Mm. So that that's very low. Like people might question that, but realistically that's, that's below easy pace. Uh, next day I ran just an hour again. Um, I was sweating a ton on this, felt, felt again pretty sick. And then the the day after was a workout down in Aries. So six by six K, this was Saturday. Now we did this over hills, um, two minutes jog between. I did it, it was Ali's workout again. She had, um, oh well, our friend Liam was there. Liam's running London Marathon as well. Um, Ali coaches Liam, so she told him come along, join in. So this was over a pretty undulating type course. We ran on a dirt road out, which is like uphill, and then um, turned around at the back. So overall, it was 140 meters for 46 minutes. Um, the six minute paces, I'll, I'll use normal pace. So the first rep, 321, 334, 329, 325, 312, 316. And the gap paces there are more like 317, 317, 316, 321, 319, 317. So it's actually really consistent when you take out the hill variable. And that's, I like that we've done that. It's the first time I looked at that. So within like four seconds um, of each of, of each rep, like the, the effort level pace. Uh, the it was, a, it was a good workout. Like um, I felt like we were pushing pretty hard. On the way back, those paces were getting a bit, were getting quick, and um, again, like oh, there was someone. So uh, Riley Wolf was down there taking photos of Ali for a similar type promotional thing. Um, so that like that was these photos will be better because this road's in the national park. It's like dirt road. It's, it's pretty epic. So it might get some good stuff out of there. So Ali's on the two workouts and the long run every second week so that was yeah. a pretty big workout she did on a tuesday 
and then she's done this on the Friday. So she did that workout on Wednesday, and this is Wednesday, Saturday. Saturday, Sunday long. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Still not your traditional stuff, though. You've changed no, it. I have changed it. I, I don't think she got enough threshold in before the marathon block began. And I also am starting to come around to the idea of not loading people with marathon sessions week after week after week and, and breaking it up like this. Yep. I actually like the – and then next week she'll go back to like Thursday, Sunday session, um, both a bit more marathon specific. So, yeah, this is – this was never going to be like the big marathon for her this year. The, the later one will be. So this was like, if you can get in shape to have a crack at a marathon, let's do it. But let's not, let's not rush things and let's continue to build you as an athlete towards September marathon, which is where like, I think something special will happen. Uh, I don't think that we're going to see anything like special from Ali in this marathon. Like she might go and run a qualifying time and, and she might get herself like in contention to make a team but later in the year I reckon I reckon she's she's showing things now that's really exciting for later in the year yeah because I suppose the alternative is like I guess instead of doing the three by 5k you may have in the past done four by 5k but because you've pulled it back to three you're supplementing it with a smaller threshold session to well, go to- with it to be honest, I didn't even schedule three by five. This was an adjustment I made because she, Ali, was getting like a bit antsy that she didn't have enough marathon, marathon pace, pace. Okay. in her training. So this was originally a fartlek session, and I didn't really want her doing a marathon pace session um, because she was coming off twenty k, twenty eight k steady into three by five k. I didn't. I thought let's bring it back and do some faster work let's have you running at like 10k pace for a bit uh but she um like this was just something that we kind of compromised on uh she she said she wanted more throughout the program and then when we reviewed the program this was the only one that we could change that made sense because there's still so much of it in there and so yeah we went to three by 5k and uh it worked out fine set threshold on saturday got us what what I wanted from that Sunday was 40k for her long run easy and it wasn't easy to be honest we went over hills around 420 pace so that's still pretty tough run um, but this week went pretty well like in my mind for her and I ran 30k on Sunday so that was uh I think I ran like 123 or 23.6 yeah yeah 123 three of your biggest weeks I reckon you've had in 12 months all back to back to back yeah and I reckon it's time to build now like I reckon I've just because I, I had a few bigger weeks before Osaka then I, I dropped it off and now I've built back and now and now it's time to, to launch from will you so, put in a down week though I don't think that I need a down week at the moment um, I'm feeling fine um, um, yeah I like although I had a down week if you have a look, I'm like, just looking at your skyscrapers, and you haven't run that many Ks since uh, May 2022. Yeah, but I did have that big block of like um, decent enough mileage from like very consistent yeah, November training. November through to Feb. November through to Feb. Then I back off 
and now I've rebuilt. And um, I mean, I could potentially do one a little lower. That would that would be the real safe thing to do. But when you look at the overall scheme of what this mileage is, it's still 125, isn't it? Like it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's not big. It's it's, it, and and when I'm running it now, I'm like, I could double. Like tonight, I'm like, I could go out for half an hour, no problems right now, and I kind of felt like it. But I'm still making decisions that are like conservative and saying, no, I don't need to. Like, I'm fine. I, I I'll double again. I'll double later in the week, and I'll build this week by 6k more not 12k more yeah, yeah. um so yeah I'm, I'm not too concerned about it find one 6k double somewhere fascinating yeah. that's good jails park in two and a half weeks that'd be your next race yeah that'll be it no doubt mm, that'll be fun that get the got the on. um got the email come through from oh, geelong yeah. cross geelong cross country and athletes victoria registrations are now open give us your money are they? I haven't yeah. seen. I didn't get that one. Do you reckon one. premiers should get their regos for free the following year? It'd be a good concept, wouldn't it? Give us no, something to race I for. I don't think no, so. No, we'll start it next year. I don't mean just because the bats won last year. But do you reckon it'd be a good carrot for the premiership teams? I don't reckon they'd care that far out, to be honest. Yeah. Like, you reckon they're caring what they have to pay in March when they're running back in September? Who? Oh, mate. I reckon there's more to it than paying a membership. Geelong don't think like that. No, I just think it'd be a good incentive to bring in. When you win it at the end of the year, here's your rego for the year later. Geelong don't focus on money like you. (laughs) We we have no money. You guys have zero money. Yes, you blokes do. We have zero money. You're paying memberships non-stop. No one's paying nothing. Well, I'm not getting mine paid. I'm a loyal member of that team. I'll tell you about my week moves because it didn't go too well. Had that little hammy niggle end of last week. Um... And I did 32K on it Sunday, and it pulled up fine Monday. Um, have you ever had it before, like high hamstring? Yeah, I have. Yeah, a real prick of a niggle because it's yep. just like, it's, but really, zero out of 10 pain. No pain, no discomfort at all when I'm running at all now, but I feel like I'm not covering the ground like the way I usually cover the ground. And then I get paranoid that I'm not loading things correctly and I'm going to end up with like a more significant injury. Um, so yeah, yeah I kind of, these can hang around these. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to fuck around with a high hang, hamstring tendinopathy. Yeah. And they can be really, um, like triggered real easy. Like can come back real quick kind of thing. So I kind of gave myself the week to kind of get over it. And the plan was to just have no intensity at all. I wanted to, but then you've still got to, well, what my physio says is you've still got to like put it under a bit of stress to kind of keep it strong. So you can't have the week off and it's going to like bounce back and be all good. So I did an hour Monday, 4.34s. Tuesday, I planned to do a workout. Actually, I ran Tuesday afternoon as well, uh, Monday afternoon as well at 4.26s for 30 minutes. And as I said, like when I'm jogging, it's all good. Can't feel it. Just a bit of like, feel like I'm just not covering the ground well. Tuesday, I started a workout. I was going to try to do like a progressive run and start off at like... 3.30, 3.25 pace, and then just work the pace down, ideally, if things went well early in the workout. And I just got like two or 3K in, and I'm just like, no pain whatsoever, but I just don't feel, I felt clunky. I felt like I wasn't in my rhythm, not covering the ground well. So I just pretty much like stopped trying to progress the run, and if anything, slowed the pace down, and just jogged back to my car. I ended up doing like 30 minutes at 3.28, but just a weird a weird feeling and it's almost like your mind 
it's different for what your body's telling it. Like it's it's like they're not in sync almost. It's a very mm. yeah, very odd feeling when you when you're not in pain but you know you're not in rhythm. So um so after that I decided to cut all the intensity like workouts for the rest of the week and just jog through. So jog through uh, Wednesday for 50 minutes, jogged on Thursday for 70 minutes at 4.21s, Friday jogged for 50 minutes in the morning and then 25 minutes in the afternoon. Um, Saturday caught up with a friend, Richard Ogilvie. Have you met Richard? I think Kramers has. I mean, sorry, Croaks has. Um, my yeah, old sure. housemate from Moama. I reckon he was at, oh, I reckon he's been somewhere on the beers. Maybe that was in Canberra with Croaks. He was back in Echuca, so I caught up with him, went for a run. Yeah, it, was, it was Canberra Brady. Oh, you're here, after, Bradley. Welcome. After the half. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So he was back in Echuca for the weekend croaks. Welcome to this week's episode as well. Thank and you. just one of those mates you rarely get to see and just um, you're just talking the whole time when you're jogging along and just didn't want the run to end almost. Like we got back to where he was staying and just did a cup of or did a bit of a blocky just so he can continue talking for the extra uh, five minutes. So it was good to see him in town, end up doing like 18.5k at 408s. Sunday did two hours at 413s. Probably got to the end of the week feeling pretty similar than I did um, the Sunday before, which was disappointing because I kind of gave myself a week to hopefully get the hammy right and it felt like it didn't come good. However, the good news was, like, I feel we're recording this on Tuesday night. Monday and Tuesday this week, I think it's turned a corner. And I did a bit of a mini workout this morning and things felt good. And I was back in the physio today and he kind of seemed to think that I was a bit a bit better. So, yeah. Not, so, what, not, are you, um, what are you doing for it? I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of the... Rehab looks like. Yeah, I'm doing, like, uh, the main one is kind of the bridge. Like, you know, when you're laying your back and you put... Um, you kind of clench your, your bum glutes and then um, I then that's kind of like the first level of it and the other one like is isometrics are they calling that is oh, that called they, something like so, that so you this, hold you, do you yeah, hold the exercise I yeah. hold with both like heels still on the ground and then the next level up is to put one the the not sore side in the air and then the next level up is kind of dip down and go back up and I do yep. those in like different sets and there's another one where it's like put your heels on a frisbee and then let your heels kind of go out and then pull them back in. Um, so I'm kind of, I like the yoga mat set up in the lounge room, just kind of every time I see it, just making sure I get in there and doing those kind of things. And I'm also just doing a bit of glute stuff as well with the band. So I'm getting on top of it. And it's kind of like a, like, as I said, I can I can jog at an easy pace. So I'm kind of still keeping the base fitness there, but I just wanted to avoid, he kind of said, he just like, get, don't put your spikes back on. Like the minute you get in your spikes, you Get onto your toes, especially if you're doing 100 meter sprints. You just change your your biomechanics massively, and you put that that tendon we're talking about under a massive amount of stress because you're just pulling your foot through super fast. Mm. Um, so it's like that's it. Kind of said what I said the last week. It's like why like the risk versus reward with doing that is this could you know keep you out for six or eight weeks if you can't get it right. Whereas what benefit do you have of doing Five by hundreds in spikes at fourteen seconds. So, yeah, yeah, which... yeah. Well, that's it. <laughs> sorry. Um, the high hamstring stuff can it can put runners out for years. Mm. It's yeah. really not to be to be played with. So it's good to hear that you're doing the the physio stuff on it, and it might take a while. Yeah, these these can take it like a while to come good. Yeah, yeah. And I've had it a couple of times before and stuff. So, and I'm not really in a rush. Like Gold Coast is 
13 weeks away so I kind of it's sooner rather than later but I want to um I'd prefer to get it super right now and be really conservative and be he kind of did say like once it's good they're usually good but you just got to get to that stage where it's good and it's healed and it's kind of I think he called it like there's just like heaps of tiny like micro tears in it and it's not so much a because I was saying like hey I've been taking some anti-inflams but he was like no it's not so much an inflammation it's like the tendon needs to repair and like reattach fully so probably just murdered that whole summary of that um that injury but i ran 128 k's a lot of jogging in there and i'm feeling better and hopefully on the right side of it uh at the moment croaks what have you been doing fresh off a session how how's your endorphins you up and about yeah i uh straight from parliament house we did some hills tonight um just because it's dark so we um there's a hill that runs from old Old Parliament House to New Parliament House, which you would have done, Brady, as part of the running festival. That's right. Um, yeah, so it's well lit there. So that's where we did the session. Straight through the door, still in my running clothes, smashing some dinner. But What, um, what singlet do you got on? What did you train in tonight? Oh, just an old New Balance singlet. Yeah, I love that about you. Probably probably 15 years old, couple of holes in it, real blue uh, collar moves. Don't see 20, any of this fancy stuff on Crokes. 2014, I reckon. 2014, I did. Got yeah. the singlet, yeah. Like it's that. cool being a tight ass, mate. It's got nothing more than being too tight to buy a new kit. <laughs> nothing wrong with it. It's in good nick. Have you seen yeah. some of the prices that singlets go for these days? Some, yeah, of, my, kit. some of my Facebook hey, ads yeah. are like $195 and stuff. Oh, yeah. No, that's a different I'm talking world. about that stuff. I thought you were about to get into your mates from early old then. Hey, how much like, do they charge for this? No, nah, nah, like that. 90 bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Like the ones that you sell in the shop are like 90 bucks and early yeah. old and stuff like that. Yeah. Hey, yeah. those 190... I've, seen, I've seen like $200 singlets. It's a new world out there. It's a new world in running. I'll give you the hot tip. It's not around a Chukamoama. You don't see yeah, anyone yeah. wearing that stuff. Or Canberra doing the uh, Parliament House Hills, I'm sure, Crocs. Yeah, tell us because it'd be funny. Oh, someone, someone wore like a, <laughs> one of those brands hat one week down here. For two hours, absolutely copped it. <laughs> I think you told us that at the time. Never wore it again. Not sure if it was on air or not. Crokes, take us through your week, though. We have got All Jess right. Hull joining us in about 25 minutes. Not that your week will go for that long, but no. I just thought I'd give you the heads up about tonight's episode. Yeah, so I had my best week for the year. Um, so I did an hour, hour on the Monday, which is not hard. I haven't had many good weeks You're for fit. about I like your four strama. years. Uh, yes, yeah, so I did an hour after work on Monday, 428 and then the Tuesday afternoon session was, uh, yeah, out where we did that 30-minute undulating tempo about a month ago, out where Deke used to do his long run. Um, this time we changed it around and just basically did it as a fartlek. So I did 10 by 2 minute 15 reps and had 75-second float in between. And, like, pace is irrelevant for this sort of session because it depends whether you're going up or down when you when you hit your on um, and whether you're going up or down on the float. So I basically just had my heart rate showing and my lap time showing. Um, yeah, it was like, you know, nothing impressive on Strava. I averaged 332s for 9.5K. Uh, it was 160 metres of elevation over that. Um, yeah, like, it becomes a – like, it's a pretty – bit of a grindy session and and even on some of the recoveries like my heart rate never really went down especially if i was on an uphill but just backing off the intensity even though my heart rate stayed high um just backing off that intensity just freshened up the legs a little bit to be able to then 
run pretty solid for another two minutes 15 um and I, I, it's just a fun session like you know it's you know it's doing you good you're not concerned about the paces like my my reps range from like 310 pace to 330 pace depending on on the um terrain um so yeah that was a pretty good session it was just that light sort of drizzly rain which was um yeah nice to run in then wednesday my midweek long run did 90 minutes uh 414s i started listening to road to london um but the rain started to really impact the wireless headphones um so i got about i got through like the first hour and then the last half an hour was just me um listening to the rain and you know feet on the gravel which was actually really nice like that feeling where it's just that light drizzly rain um yeah crushed gravel under your feet so uh that was 21.3k uh thursday morning got out before work did 50 minutes at 421s felt like garbage for the first like 20 minutes i was running on the bike path from home and it's like downhill and i was like uh, close to like like high 330s running downhill not feeling very good but then after about 30 minutes started to feel pretty good you mean 430s um, croaks 430 what i say 330s, 330s. would have been yeah, dark no. too 643 yeah yeah it was just sun just coming up wasn't too bad um i was going to go for a second run that afternoon but a bit like what moose was saying before about like i knew it was going to be my biggest week and i just didn't want to overload things a little bit so i thought i'll just keep my powder dry for friday session which was uh same session that i did with moose in bathurst so five by six minutes um except this time i did just one minute like slow jog so i didn't like completely stop and walk this time around um went pretty well like i ran uh 315 315 317 313 314 k pace for the reps uh jogged just over five minute k's for the minute um yeah so that was 10k in just like uh, just under 34 minutes for the 10k fourth rep felt really good so the first two reps were a really slight sort of tailwind and then i turned around and so the third rep was into a a bit of a headwind which um on the lake like you don't need much of a wind to like really notice it and then i turned around for the fourth rep and i felt just amazing after having run one rep into the headwind so that was my quickest one and, and felt pretty smooth and then jogged back to the car and then for my cool down i was pacing one of the guys that i coach so he drove in from goulburn which is about an hour away um, and he wanted to do like a 5k time trial so we just did two and a half k out two and a half k back so that was like 403 kilometer pace uh then that afternoon went out to mulligans uh 420s for 32 minutes felt really um really good on that run which i think sometimes for me like that's a sign that i've got the intensity right in the morning where i still feel like i've got a little bit of pop in my legs as opposed to feeling like completely spent so that was encouraging saturday morning i met up with um james tunbridge so he is the wollongong running festival race director and um yeah we raced each other so remember that sub when i went for that sub 15 at bankstown yeah he finished second yeah so he finished second and i finished third in that race so he was in town for a wedding, so did an hour with him through Mulligans, uh, four tens, um, which was quite enjoyable. And then that afternoon, after watching the fifteen hundred finals, I went down to uh, Yerribee Pond and I tried out the Cloud Surfer for the first time, um, which yeah, I wasn't a massive fan of to be honest, um, which 
which made me raise a few questions about shoes. So I felt with this shoe, like cushion, like there was certainly enough cushioning there, but I didn't feel like there was much like heel to like toe transition. So I averaged four sixteens for 30 minutes, but it felt, and this is like on a flat bike path, it almost felt harder than the four tens in the morning in the Nimbus over hills on the gravel. Um, yeah, so it, I just didn't feel very efficient in it, which i got a question for you guys. Do you think sometimes shoe technology has gone so far now and it's it's so much fun running in a shoe that has, you know, nice foam, like a nice rocker, a bit of stiffness really tr- like transitions you from like heel to, to toe that maybe we're becoming a little bit less efficient because all of, you know, if we're doing too much in those shoes, whereas if I put on an old school Pegasus now, I'm probably feeling not as efficient as I do in some of these like fun shoes. Thoughts? Yeah, well, um, who's the shoe dog? He can answer that. He sees I it. don't. I don't think you'll find that much improvement in, in efficiency and economy running in a Nimbus 25 versus a Nimbus 20 or a Pegasus if in, in that case. Yeah. I think the, 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 the comfort level and the ride is just so much better. But what you've put on is a poor shoe, in my opinion, like a shoe that I think they've got wrong, yeah. a, a shoe that collapses through the rear foot because there's nothing, like there's no integrity to the sole. Those pods just totally collapse under one another and you're feeling very unstable and mushy. Yeah. And then as you transition to the forefoot, there's just no guts under there. So you're pushing off into nothing. Yeah. And, and so, like, I put that shoe on, took three steps. I'm like, there, there is no way I'm running in this shoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I haven't run in that yet, but I I tend to disagree, Moose. And this is my personal experience. But I, like, see shoes as, like, sexy fun shoes and just, like, stock standard shoes. And both of them have their place in your training week because I don't think you can be in the sexy shoes all the time. Like what's what's a sexy shoe though? Tell me features, yep. geometry, and how is it changing your, your mechanics? So oh. if I'm if I'm especially doing a double or I'm coming off the day after a workout and it's like I can't kind of be bothered, excitement level's not huge, and then I go, oh, I'll put that shoe on. This will be fun for the next sixty minutes. This will get me through it. And that's like an invincible two. I've kind of got in that rotation. Um, the super blast, which we just got this week. That's definitely into that rotation quick. Mm. Um, the ASICS glide ride two for me is still like a fun rocked bit of poppy shoe. And then shoes that aren't in that category, but are in my rotation that I still wear a couple times a week would be, uh, the new balance 1080, um, mm. the ASICS Keanu light, um, the Mizuno, um, What's it called? Neo, something yep. like that. Yeah, ne- ne- yeah, Neo Ultra. See? Yep. So I still and wear what, those what? shoes, but they're like, I'm like, these are like, they remind me of the old school like jogging shoes that aren't like super plush and like bouncy and stuff. But I'm just like, I still need them in my rotation because I can't the do way, everything in the softness. I, I know what you're saying, Brady. The way I'd explain, you know, your sexy shoes is the shoes that you put on. You look down and you're running maybe 10 seconds a k faster than you would in another shoe for the same effort. You're like, man, I am just floating across the ground here and it's not because i'm moving so well it's largely because you feel like it's because of the shoe and the geometry of the shoe yeah well i don't tend to go that much quicker but it just feels like softer and plusher and it's just like i could do that if i wanted to but it's not as 
it's more it feels like a super shoe jogger yeah not a, a traditional like racing flat jogging shoe well i feel the ground a lot more in those ones i put in the second category i i, I think there needs cloud monster I, would be in the sexy category i don't mind mine's bottomed out i don't use that anymore but it used to be like that i see that yeah, yeah i put that on to bounce yeah i agree but you know what yeah. you know what we're saying, Moose. Where yeah, you like know what I mean, Moose? maybe running in like traditional shoes, where you're not getting that pop. Like, do you become a slightly better runner because you're having to be a bit more efficient, not relying so much on the shoe? I think mine's no, more I, recovery, I not so much. I, I want the extra so. pop. I just want the extra like cushion. I, I can I, I can tell you that running in something like the Invincible is not making you more efficient than running in a Pegasus. It, yeah, it, it, it's not. Yeah, um, no, I'm not saying more efficient. I'm just saying it's more like protection and, and like um, like plushness under my foot. There's more. What about, cushions, su- what about yeah. super blast moose? Like I wore the super blast for the first time yesterday, and I felt like I had baby trampolines on my feet, and like doing doing very little effort and just just, bounce, just bouncing along. Super blast is very light, and I feel like a lot more um, like poppy and a lot closer towards what. A, uh, a racing shoe feels like it's a lightweight trainer basically and and it's a combination of the phone and the weight um offering that but I, I i think there's shoes out there you don't need shoes to perform for you on your recovery runs so a sh- like the glide ride right that's not a performance shoe in any sense of the word that should be looked at as a proper recovery shoe like that's a strong rocker that rock is there not to help with performance. That rock is there to help unload certain tissue of the foot and ankle. It's de- it's designed to uh, like put you, I guess, transition you from heel to toe without using certain um, structures of the foot. Like totally different to how the Nimbus operates. And so how you're what you're talking about is the perception of these shoes on your feet, but not the mm-hmm. actual function of the shoes on your feet. Yeah, that's more for me. It is, like, yeah. yeah, but but you're you're throwing out words like the Neo Ultra, and then you're 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 lumping it in with something, and then you're rivaling it with something that's very similar from another brand. So you're not making much sense to me. I just open the drawer at home, Moose. We'll see all the shoes I've got, and I've got two categories. That's all I'm telling you. I know, but what's your definition of fun, and what's your definition of safe? Tell me. So my definition of fun is the softness point of view. So a soft shoe is fun? It's fun for me and it's going to look after my legs better. And a firm shoe is safe? A firm shoe is more, wow, yeah, is more like I'll feel a a few more rocks under my feet here. It's going to be a lower stack. It's like I might have to, I'm not going to get as much softness and like recovery, I guess. But how's well, that safe then? Well, like, well is there, but is there a risk, Moose? Like, well, it's safe because it's not the plush, and I'm worried that, like, in five years we're all going to have, like, like cooked hips because we've been wearing all these plush shoes for workouts and jogging and everything. Like, I've only got those other shoes still in my rotation because I want to remember the good old days, and I think it's – I don't want to overdo it in the plush shoes. I, I know what you're saying, Brady. Yeah, put me so on shoe my question for you, My question for you, though, Moose, is, like – we're lucky that we have like multiple pairs of shoes that we can wear in any week. Whereas most people out there have maybe, I know when, you know, back in the day, I used to have like a jogging pair, a racing flat for training and like a race shoe. So like maybe three pairs back in the day. Whereas now, you know, I have a lot to choose from. 
if so, if somebody's using say a glide ride for every single run that they do and it unloads particular areas which the old shoes the old shoes never used to like obviously there was the um you know shoes that were helping with pronation and you've got that yep. medial medial post but outside of that there wasn't a lot of the the rocker and you know the shoes weren't unloading quite as much as they do now so is there a risk of if you're in the one shoe all the time you're unloading a particular area that maybe should be strengthened yeah there's there's always a risk if you're doing the same thing each day and and so but but when you take something to the extreme like the, a glide ride yeah there is risk for that mm. so if you but you're taking you as an example like so you and brady who don't have any issues there like down around the foot or the ankle or whatever but that person that has first met arthritis wearing that shoe every day means they can run 80k a week if they chuck a pegasus in every second day they can run 30k a week yeah so shoes should be looked at like tools um in my mind and the glide ride is a tool for someone to get through if they've got a niggle or it could be a shoe for you to put on when you're really tired or or you've got a sore achilles or whatever um but everyone should alternate shoes that runs more than like 30k a week in my mind and they the the, the, the soft shoes like <laughs> The Pegasus right now, you put the Nike Pegasus 39 on and you go back to the 20 and put the Nike Pegasus 20 on, the 39 today is going to feel so much softer than that. Um, so you could argue that wearing the Pegasus is still a lot softer than what it was 20 years ago. Mm, yeah. and, and injury rates aren't changing. They're not getting better and I'm pretty sure they're not getting worse. So footwear is not really having much of an effect on it, is it? No. So, so you're in a position now where footwear companies are changing. They don't know the consequences of these change, really. They're bringing shoes out to sell shoes. So do we know the long-term consequence of wearing the glide ride too often? We, we don't really. Just like all these super shoes, have, they've only been out since 2017. No one's run more than six years straight in a super shoe. Uh, so we don't really know long-term consequence of their use yet. Mm. Now, it just had me thinking while I was running around, just feeling like, feeling like I was putting in more effort in that um, cloud surfer than I would in, in some of my other shoes that I've been running in. And my other question then was um, Saturday afternoon, I did 30 minutes and then I did strides. And I hate having to change shoes to do my strides. So what's your go-to shoe when you want to do a 30-minute easy run, but then you still want to feel you know pretty good doing strides? Whereas, you know, some of the some of the shoes that we've spoken about that are quite enjoyable for running, like, you know, the monsters and the, um, the super blast and all that sort of thing. Like they're, you know, they're a bit chunky. And so what's a shoe that feels good for 30 minutes, but you can also do some strides and feel good doing strides as well. Yeah. I don't don't have many in the the arsenal anymore. (laughs) I've got super shoes and I got the big boys. Because back in the day, I would have probably done, I would have happily done 30 minutes in just a, and a pair of like racing flats in a way and then did some strides whereas now i'm not getting away with i'm not getting away with that you know i always just jog home and then put them on like after my 30 minutes and just do them out the front of my house yeah, yeah and we're pretty is, lucky that we've got a huge selection of shoes to put on i live on i live on a hill that's yeah. not great yeah well, i don't live anywhere near any hills oh well. I, i've got them i've got them in my wardrobe but i just don't it's not worth it for the 30 minute time for mm. me like what 
what are they moves? What so was it just an old school sort of like low to the ground, low profile shoe? It's it's the um, Saucony Endorphin Speed. So mm. it's got a nylon plate, so not carbon. It's it's got Peebus, so pretty soft foam. But to me, it feels like an old school lightweight trainer. Yeah. Um, that's what. But I don't wear it because I don't. Because if I'm jogging, I'm just wearing my my comfy, cushy, protective shoe that I, I want to get through my 30 minute running. Um, I reckon I, I reckon I could go maybe the Endorphin Pro because that one isn't your traditional super shoe where like it's not super high stack and it's not really cushioned. I reckon I'd feel all right doing 30 minutes and strides in that. Yeah, the new one, oh, the new one would be perfect for that. Yeah, I'm talking about, oh, yeah, so I'm, I've only got the, the first one that came out. Yeah. But I reckon that would be pretty good for 30 minutes and strides. It'd be okay if you're on a smooth trail. That thing didn't go too well off the, um, off on like the Mulligans type dirt tracks. I, yeah. 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 Um, anyway, that was a few questions I had yeah. while I was running around on Saturday afternoon. I thought I'd ask you, boys. And then Sunday, I uh, got out for 30K, two hours, five, 409 through Mulligans. Um, felt pretty good. It was about an hour 20 in. I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm starting to get a bit low on energy. Maybe I will have to have a gel. But then 20 minutes later, I sort of came out of that and didn't feel low on energy for the rest of the run, which... Um, yeah, I guess it's that point where you start then sort of metabolizing the fats a little bit. Yeah, it felt a bit rough for 15 minutes and then felt good for the last 40 minutes. So anyway, it was a week of 144K. It's a good week, Croaks. Yeah. He's fit at the moment, Moose. Both of you boys are fit. This could be the first time on the show where I haven't been um, the fittest, I reckon. Something wrong with the simulation. Oh. Yeah, I What know. about the time when Croaks ran 217? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you reckon you reckon you were fitter than me back then? Nah, I reckon like maybe since COVID, since COVID, I reckon. I reckon well, about I the last fit. two years. That's fair. You've definitely had the last two years. Two years. <laughs> you've, you've been the yeah, yeah. you've been the star of the show in your own mind, anyway. When all the races were cancelled. Yeah. Um, let's thank some Patreon supporters. Eh? we've got seven minutes till Jessica Hull's joining us. Croaks, who you got? Uh, I've got Sebastian Johansson from Malmo in Sweden. He follows 15 people on Strava and a third of them are Aussies. These are the Aussies that he follows on Strava. Moose, myself, Toby, Mona, and Andy Buchanan. Anyone anyone missing there? There's There's an odd one out there. Yeah. Interesting fact, that one. Anyway. I love that, um, Love that. He moved to Norway. <laughs> His fastest 5K on Strava is 19.18, which was during a monofartlek. Uh, his estimated best 10K is 41.55. Couldn't find any official results, um, but he runs about 90 to 100K a week. He also has a photo on his Strava of Mona competing at the 1996 Olympics. So he's obviously a big Mona fan. Possibly a mergers and acquisitions associate at Beja Alma. And um, I reckon his middle name might be Leo. So thanks for your support, Sebastian. And, um, yeah, maybe go and give Brady a follow so he doesn't uh, get upset. Give, he follows all the inside jogging podcast boys too. They do nothing. Josh Lyon, Aaron Scott. It's all right, Brady. Do you reckon anyone actually works? I have offended him over the years. What about every – there's all these bloody white-collar associates in Norway, isn't there? There's no one digging holes over there. <laughs> You hard digging holes in no the winter over there. No one's Cat, stacking bricks. Catch up with Christian and Toby soon. We're in a new month, April. The monthly will be coming out soon. 
All thanks right. for your support, Sebastian. Don't worry about following me on Strava. Do what you want with your life. That's okay. You've got a real gun there. Um, I've got Stephanie Lawley. So Stephanie, local, Victorian, possibly possibly Yarrambat. Where's that at? It's Fifty- like north uh, northeast of uh, Melbourne. Northeast. Mm. Okay. Yarrambat. Uh, ran 2.10 at last year's Run Melbourne half and 73 minutes at the 2017 run for the kids. She also did the 2016 run Geelong 12K in 63 minutes. Um, that's not That doesn't happen anymore, the run Geelong. Got a load of, lot of GPS files on her Strava, so she might do a lot of running on the Treddy. Mm. Got a yeah. lot of GPS no, files. Uh, doesn't have a lot, sorry. Oh, it doesn't have yeah. a lot, yeah. You know where it comes up, where it's basically just got like the file of, you know, 6k run and pace yes. no like gps so i reckon yeah yep. it does a fair bit on the treadmill thanks right. stephanie for your support you, stephanie I'm thank gonna, you i want to thank james telford from greens borough in victoria coached by the great zach and newman our marketing manager and the runner pb ceo rewrote pretty much every one of his pbs last year he ran 1805 at the uh collingwood classic 3758 at the albert park 10k uh, 122, 35 for the half marathon at Burnley and 256 at the Melbourne Marathon. Signed up to be coached by Zachary and his PB was 416, so a significant improvement there. He's become addicted to running after uh, it used to be a bit of a power lifter. 230 kilogram deadlift boys, 190 kg squat, 135 kg bench press. Hope those numbers are impressive to you because I have yet to join the gym program and I'm not sure what they mean. Head honcho at physio and physiotherapist at Physio Life, which has five locations around Victoria. Super busy man who routinely knocks out a run at 5.30 a.m. and a member of the Diamond Valley Athletics Club. So thanks, James Telford, for your support. All the other patron supporters over there to keep the show alive each and every week. We've got Road to London coming out. Um, they'll be coming out tomorrow as well. They're recording at the moment. Toby and Christian coming up sometime in April. And um, yeah, give us the opportunity to record this show every week and bring it out to you guys. So a massive thanks to the people on Patreon who keep the show alive. If you want more details about the different tiers, you can support us there. Head to patreon.com forward slash Inside Running Podcast. This week's episode of the Inside Running Podcast is proudly sponsored by ASICS. Super Blast on, Super Blast off with the ASICS Super Blast shoe. Super Bounty FF Blast Turbo Cushioning on a layer of FF Blast Plus Foam for a super energetic ride. Super Lightweight FF Blast Turbo Cushioning, which is ASICS's lightest foam yet. Super stacked with ASICS's highest midsole ever, offering a standout running experience and head-turning aesthetics. Visit asics.com.au or your specialty running store to grab your pair today. Quick bit of running news, boys. Should we start with the national uh, 5K and 1500s because we've got yeah. our guest just about to join us? Good idea. Croaks, mm-hmm. do you want to um, go through maybe the 15s to start us off? We might just do women's first, eh, hey? and then we'll talk to Jess. Yeah, yeah right. Go women's 15, then women's five, and I'll get her organised here as well. Yeah, so Jess got the win in the women's, 404.19, which was a meet record. Um, Abby Caldwell was second, 404.68, and Lyndon Hall was third in 405.65. Um, race started off relatively slow, um, 
And I was at one point concerned that this may play into Abby's hands because, like, she'd you know run a pretty decent 800 recently, um, but then you know Jess like exploded with I don't know was it maybe 600 to go something like that, and um, yeah, same sort of thing like like the Melbourne um, track classic where. Uh, Abby sort of got onto Jess's shoulder and looks like, you know, may have been able to kick over the top, but Jess was like super strong down the home straight and was able to um, to hold her off. So she's uh, in fine form, that's for sure. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a roller. It was exactly the same, wasn't it? Like, yeah. I actually was concerned for Jess both times with, you know, 180 metres to go. I'm like, here comes Abby. She's going to go past you. And Jess just pulls out that next gear with kind of like, you know, 30, 50 metres to go, puts mm. her away. Yeah, interesting to hear what her, her tactics were because I definitely thought, you know, 600 metres in, even 800 metres in, I'm like, oh, is this going to play into Abby's hands? Because it wasn't wasn't real quick early. But, um, yeah, like, obviously, Jess's, like, speed endurance is, is really good at the moment. Didn't she close in, like, 58 or something too? Yes, yeah, 58, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? Uh, Moose, 5K? Yeah, the 5K was a totally different story. So from the gun... Jess Hull, just total domination of the race. So she went out. She didn't care if anyone went with her by the looks of it. It's almost like she ran it as if there was a pacer in front of her and she was going for a qualifying time. She had put probably 20 metres on the field in 400 and then by 800, by a K, I reckon she'd put, I reckon, 10 seconds on them. Um, and and she was just ticking off 72-second laps, basically. Oh, the first one was a bit quick. I reckon she went through in 69 and then um, did did eventually slow down but was just running solo by herself. At one point, got 100 metres in front. And so oh, what did she finish in? Um, 18 seconds in front of uh, Rose Daisies. So just, she ended up um, just slightly slowing. She went through, I think, in 9.02 perhaps, uh through 3k and um maybe it was nine flat or somewhere in there um and just i mean it's pretty hard to get going again after when you're by yourself um seven and a half laps into a, a 5k uh so she finished in 1505 and then rose 1523 uh she was part of a pack and it looks like because the camera wasn't back there the camera was focused on jess so she's actually put eight seconds into um, Leanne Pompiani, who um, has, I guess, like her and Rose are, are sort of getting a little bit of a rivalry going there. But, yeah, I mean, she made Rose and Leanne look second rate, really. It just, it just showed total difference in class, the way that she did that. And, and the, their, their respect for her to just go, you know what? <laughs> you're going to flog us today, so you just go do this yourself and we'll just brace for second. Um, yeah. I think it's good for those girls, though, to see, like, you know, because they obviously, like, are aspiring to, to be at that level, um, and it just goes to show that, yeah, like, she is, like, genuinely world-class, whereas the other girls are, like, knocking on the door and wanting to be there. Um, from, a, from a spectator's point of view, like, it would have been good at the track because you could have seen the whole race, but we basically didn't get to see how that sort of second pack um, played out. Like, I think Leanne was in front for a lot of it and then Rose sort of, you know, kicked over the top in the last lap or two. Yeah, you literally saw nothing, did you? <laughs> no, it was no. one athlete absolutely dominating. And I think we've got her here now. Jess Hull, have we got you? If so, welcome to the Inside Running Podcast. 
I think so. Is that working? Yep, that's working fine. The Australian uh, champion mm. over 1,500, 3,000 metres and 5,000 metres. The first time someone's done that in the same calendar year. And obviously the 15-mile, 3K and 5K Australian record holder. Thanks for giving us some time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We were just talking about the race, Jess. Maybe we'll go to the 5K first because we just finished off talking about that. But um, the tactic to do that to the field from from the gun, it was pretty impressive to watch. We, that's the only thing we got to watch. We didn't see anyone else in the field because you were so far ahead. Um, tell us about where the idea to, to do it that way come from. Yeah, thank you. I think um, I was warming up. I kind of had in the back of my mind after the 15, it would be pretty nice to try and knock out the um, world standard. Um, I know I'm pretty fit and I just trusted my training and I kind of knew I could probably do it. I knew it would be a big ask solo. Um, And warming up, my legs felt too good not to try, but um, I definitely had some doubts because it was a bit windy. And I think it just, uh, it truly showed me that you can't really go into a 5K having any doubts because with three to four laps to go, um, if you're not right on, it gets pretty tough. And I think that was probably a little bit of the undoing that saw me not quite nail the standard, but there's time for that overseas. Yeah, I'm sure that standard will come pretty uh, pretty soon overseas, as you said. Um, do, do you tell anyone about that beforehand? Like, I'm sure you're pretty friendly with a lot of the Australian <laughs> ladies who are, who are in the race. You've been on teams with them before, especially, you know, the World Cross Country Champs, which were just a couple of weeks ago or was that a total shock for everyone and were you surprised that no one even made an attempt to go with your first 200 300 meters a little bit yeah I told um Genevieve Lacaz actually asked me she kind of just asked if I was intending to go fast so she could figure out her splits and not kind of get caught up in what I did in the first 400 um so I sort of said to Jen I'm gonna go after the standard um and then Nick was there Nick Pedro and he sort of said okay um and I just said to him you know, if you want to tell Rose, because I assumed Rose would probably come with me. Um, and he just said he'd let her know, and then she would make her own decision kind of thing. Um, so, I mean, I think Jan and Rose knew. I'm, I'm not sure if anyone else knew, but I, I kind of just, um, I had my mindset on it, so I wasn't really too concerned. I, I was hoping I'd have some company. I, I really thought that um, both Rose and Leanne would probably come with it, but I think um, I probably did a bit of that to myself because I know, going out in 69 seconds is probably also not the way to run the standard um, and not the way to do it and have some company with you. So <laughs> maybe if I was a little measured in that first 400, we might have had a, a bit more of a connected pack. <laughs> um, Jess, when, you, when you're when you at like the 3K mark and you're starting to feel the pinch of maybe a couple of early fast laps and you're on – I know it's not a big crowd for you, but there's people watching on TV. You would have known that. And then there's a crowd in the stadium. Like, I think, do do you feel somewhat worried that you could blow up and you've got athletes like Rose and Leanne behind you? Like, what's going on in your head? Is there any insecurity about what you've done? Uh, Not too much in that I would blow up. I kind of, I knew I'd be okay. I just knew I was in for a long grind over the last four laps. Um, Yeah. I think it was more of I, I kind of probably retreated to like making it feel like a, a training ground where I was just at the track doing a threshold on my own in my own head. Um, I probably switched back into that mode, which I, I know how to kind of talk myself through that um, and probably switched out of like, I guess, a racing mode. But um, I did cross my mind with a K to go. I was like, oh man, if any of these women can close like I can, I'm probably pretty vulnerable right now because mm-hmm. I think I... I was probably 12, 13 seconds up and I was thinking 
it might not be quite enough if someone has a big run over the last K, um, but I was staying alert and um, listening up to the commentators and kind of, if anything, probably just running 71, 72s, 73s even for a long time um, on Sunday probably suited me better than having to go to like a 64 second last 400 um, based on how I kind of could tell I was feeling in that last two to three laps. I don't know. It would have been a big ask to pull out a big last 400, I think, off the back of Saturday. Um, Sorry, Chris, I was jumping quickly. Do you ever do anything in training? Like you kind of said your legs felt good. You ran a 404 the day before. Like do you ever do back-to-back stuff in training to replicate this kind of championship um, race schedule? Because I know you obviously see this at Con Games, World Champs, Olympics as well, where you've got to back up day after day. I don't do too much. I I don't do any back-to-back stuff in training. Um, it might be something we look at doing a bit closer to Budapest. Um, I think you've got to pick your time of year for that kind of stuff. It's probably not something you can do all year round. But um, I do a lot of um, every like second day kind of sessions where um, kind of 48 hours later I'm going again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jess, if we move to the 1500, so the 1500 was obviously a lot more competitive and Abby's been running really well and Lyndon's always a threat. And we're just saying before when we're recapping the race that it was relatively slow early and we know that Abby closes really well. Like, What was the tactics there and were you concerned that a slow start maybe plays into Abby's hands? I think if, if the race happened in October, I would have been terrified if the race was slow. Um, I think when I started to put the season down on paper as to like the races we would do and um, what we would focus on at nationals, I think I thought the only way for me to be competitive for the win in April would be to run hard from the front. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think something sort of switched in training after the World Cross trial and I sort of started to notice like my speed was really, really coming on. Um, and I probably started to grow a bit in confidence um, in early February as like, you know, it probably actually doesn't really matter how this race goes. Like, I, I can be competitive in a lot of different styles of racing. So I think I've grown a lot in the last, like, six to eight weeks um, of being able to, like, trust that I'm ready for any style of race and not just rely on I'm a strength runner, it's got to be fast and it's got to be hard from the gun. Um, so, yeah, the idea of racing a bit more tactically is more exciting than it has been in the past. It's used to scare me, um, whereas at the moment I think um, I sort of started to turn the weakness of my last, like, 200 meters or so um into a bit of a strength and um, i'm hoping it keeps getting stronger because they're only the women that we're going to be racing later this year are even better at um closing out those hard races yes you sorry just just yeah. on that you like got, you've got you, that you, many questions you, yeah you, you mentioned about world cross trials because i was i was there that day and i think it's fair to say like with maybe uh three like 400 meters to go you looked like not certainly not the runner that you are right now, like a little bit underdone, not quite as strong. Like, were you, was there something like, obviously you're getting married around that time as well. Like, were you not training as well? Were you like concerned how things were going at that point? I I wasn't concerned. I knew we were going to be ready when it mattered, but I did miss some time in November with an ankle injury. Um, and I think I, even though I don't think I lost any fitness in that time because I cross-trained pretty hard, um, I just didn't gain the fitness I needed in those few weeks to be a bit more ready for the cross-trial. And then, um, obviously, yeah, we got married mid-December and um, you only did that once. So I definitely enjoyed that weekend and um, enjoyed the, all the family time that came with that. So probably, yeah, I was, I, I was a little underdone, but Abby ran incredible that day. So 
I mean, I could, don't even think that I would have been ready for Abby that day, um, even if things had gone 100%. She was locked and loaded on that trial day, and she, she knocked it out of the park. She ran an extremely smart race, and it probably um, spurred me on to be like, okay, Abby's going to be really ready domestically this year. I've got to gotta get things going. Do you study her, Jess? Like, I just had some notes around, <laughs> obviously, her, her comp games. I think you were coming off COVID after your seventh at the World Champs. I think you missed the 5K, didn't you, after – after the fifteen hundred, I got that correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then yeah, then Abby kind of came out and got the bronze, and Croaks kind of brought up the point about the second at the World Cross Trials. But um, it seems like the Jess of I guess two thousand and twenty three has got that that number one position as our fifteen hundred meter two k mm. cross country specialist back again. And I wondered if it's like, do you watch watch some of those races back and think this is how I've got to beat her? Because it almost looks like you've developed a double kick. Like the Murray plant meet, you went hard at 200, but then you've still got this like next kick you're starting to roll out with 50 metres to go. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, that's, I also sort of think I'm coming into that age. I'm, I'm 26 now. I think um, I am in probably the stronger years of my 1500 metre running. So, I mean, Abby's going to be incredible in four or five years when she gets to this age too. But I think that's where that um, back end speed is coming from is like I am really starting to come into the stronger 1500 metre age bracket and um eventually that'll be in the 5k maybe uh, in three or four more years but right now it's it's starting to show in the 15 and um i think all of us study our competitors like i mean it's not just um i don't just look at the women i'm racing domestically i look at the women i'm racing internationally and um, i definitely take different things into my training that i'm like okay how is this going to prepare me to have a chance against laura muir and um if I can get anywhere near Faith Kipier going, what could yeah. I do in the last 100 metres that could maybe, like, give me a shot against her? Like, you got to try. So <laughs> practising it at training um, hopefully means that one day if I'm ever in the position, it, it comes a bit naturally. It's not a, like, a moment where I freeze and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be here. It's just, um, I'm like, okay, I can try this today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Jess, the, uh, you, there aren't a lot of professional distance runners in, that are Australian, really. There's only probably a handful. Um, so it's really interesting when we get to chat to them and hear what life's actually like. But having running as a, as a job for you, um, do you have a set work day when you wake up? Is that how you approach things? Or are you, once you get your run done, it's like, oh, we'll just go and do some fun stuff? How, does, how do you look at your life as a runner? I think um, if I'm not training, I'm kind of recovering for the next session. That's kind of the way I look at it is um, I'm constantly kind of, I guess, the way is you're kind of always training is um, if you're recovering well, you're training for the next session. So I kind of, um, my mornings are pretty structured. Like first thing is like, yeah, get the training out of the way. So wake up, have breakfast, head out and do the session or the easy run or whatever. Um, Probably the thing I'm most flexible in is like whether I, go to the gym after a hard session or if I kind of go home, recover and then do the gym with my double um, because a lot of the times, especially as we're getting closer to the championships and you get pretty well, the track session's starting to, to beat me up pretty bad. I, I kind of go home and have a rest instead of going straight into the gym, whereas earlier on when the sessions are a bit more manageable, I just kind of go from training into the gym and then recover in the afternoon and just do a double. So. I probably move those things around a little bit, like the gym and the double runs, um, based on how much recovery I need. But the mornings are pretty standard of just um, try and get the main session for the day out of the way. Yeah. Do you, th- do you think it would be possible to do what you do working as well? 
I go back and forth on this because um, I think I've been pretty lucky to live this way for um, three, four years now. So to me, it becomes hard to imagine uh, adding a job on top of it. But then I see like even what you guys do, morning running before work and then running after work. And um, I see that you guys can run a, a lot of miles with that, doing it that way. So I think it just becomes what you know becomes a habit and you become really good at prioritizing getting your runs in if that's what's important to you around what you've got going on in the day. But um, I think competing at this level and probably just how much we travel, it's probably pretty tricky to maintain like a, like a 40 hour work weekend. Yeah. That would, that would be challenging. Mm. So I give a big credit to everyone that does it because it's, it's very impressive. Um, Jess, I had a question about your time at home. So you've been in Australia now for quite a while and, you know, most years you're based over in the US with an elite group. So has it been easier or harder than you thought it would be to train in Australia on your own for such a long period of time? It's been pretty easy this time around. Um, I mean, actually, every time I've come home um, during my time away, I've kind of always been able to train pretty well at home. Um, I think this time has been different in that we had a, a really good summer and that just even um, the training doesn't really change much, but the ability to execute the sessions better because it's not cold and rainy or snowy. Um, the US has had a pretty rough winter, so being able to put the sessions down on paper a lot better down here has been pretty definitely paid off. And um, I'm lucky I've got a couple of boys that are happy to jump in and out with me whenever they can. And um, sometimes that means they meet me at the track and do my in session entirely or um, Harry McGill sometimes turns up and does his own session and then while I'm warming up recovers a little bit and then jumps in and does my whole session as well so I'm pretty lucky um, with Harry and Finlay McPhillips being so keen to help me out um, I can kind of get anything that I need to that's really good quality um, I've been able to get everything done at home with the help of them and um, yeah definitely having the summer weather makes a big difference. Jess, the role of your uh, your dad, Moose and I, at the 2020 uh, Melbourne Track Classic, just before COVID hit and the world shut down, we were yeah. standing behind this gentle, gentleman who was on the fence. We didn't know he was your dad at your time at the time, but he, um, I think he had the stopwatch out. I think you looked over to him at the 200 meter mark a couple of times, and it, it seemed like he was almost signaling on when to make the move i think there was a japanese lady in the race that day as well but as he yeah yeah yeah, that's it yeah has um he had a bit of a role holding stopwatches and at training the last couple of months since you've been home for this extended period of time yeah absolutely i think um he's pretty hard to miss at the track he's always got an oregon duck shirt on he's pretty proud i think that's how we picked him yeah i can't remember i can't remember but um I was amazed at how you picked him out. Each each lap, you were like looking for an. It's almost like you guys had a sign worked out, and then <laughs> all of a sudden, it was like, "Boof, she's gone!" Like, and yeah. you just destroyed her in two hundred meters. Uh, he's definitely one of those voices that I recognise um, wherever he is. The only time I have never heard him was um, out in Bathurst in the cross country. I couldn't pick his voice because the crowd was just so insane. Um, mm. But yeah, I definitely count on him a lot. Um, he's kind of. When I'm in Australia, he helps me out big time. And um, I, there's a trust there that, like, it's developed from when I was a junior and he was my coach. And then um, he's quite happy at the age of 18 to hand me off to someone else for a few years when I went to college. Um, but, no, I definitely, I always bounce ideas off him. And um, definitely whenever he's kind of in the mix, he knows me better than anyone, I think. So um, I trust if he makes the call at training, like, no, nah, you're done for the day. I'm like, okay, I won't even question it. Or if... Um, 
if he says, oh, you look good today, like, do you want to hammer this last rep or something? I'm like, yep, let's do it. Like, um, I definitely count on his word and uh, trust what he sees. So it's been um, pretty cool to kind of have that resource. I think in a way he's kind of like my secret weapon. Like he also does, um, he understands the sport really well. And I know like when we're talking about race plans and stuff, it's um, it's always a good idea to have a chat to him beforehand, even if it just calms the nerves a little bit. He's pretty good at simplifying it down. Yeah, right. A lot of people would be surprised at it, I think. They wouldn't understand that the special role that he plays in your training and your and your race tactics and things like that. And going back to World Cross Country where you didn't hear him because the crowd was so so huge that day, it must have been an amazing experience. I've got you down as the MVP in that team. I felt like the, the leg you ran and the kind of the position we were in and then the position you got us in, it was um, it must have been amazing. I'm not sure, yeah, if that matches any other race experience that you had, having that many Australians kind of yell your name for two kilometres. Oh, I don't think it would ever be matched. I think that was pretty special. And, um, yeah, very lucky to be part of that with Ollie, Stewie and Abby. It was um, very memorable for all of us. Like, we're a home championships and then a home cross country with that kind of feel. I, I mean, I feel like um, the only thing that will compare is our, our marathon runners that get to have a home course in 2026 and 2032. If, if World Cross is anything to go by, they're going to have some pretty loud uh, tunnels to run through on the roads. <laughs> Can you tell us about um, the leg selections? Like, there was heaps of speculation before the race, like who would potentially do what legs and how it would work. Like, did you guys get told that or did you nominate yourself? So, like, how did you come up with who was going to go first, second, third, fourth? Yeah, I think um, initially we thought that we were able to run whatever order we wanted. Like, it could be we were going to go um, Ollie to me to Abby to Stewie. Um, and that was sort of... Uh, Nick Bideau was kind of facilitating that and he just said we'll go a man on the first and last legs because they're longer um, and then Ollie and Stewie could figure out between themselves what they wanted to run and then um, he was going to put Abby and I in the middle and he just said same thing you guys figure it out and so I just said well Abby you won the trial like where do you want to run and I'll run where you don't want to run um, so she wanted to run third um, and then when we found out World Athletics regulated that you had to run man, woman, man, woman, um, Stewie and Abby just switched around so that Stewie ran third and Abby bring it home. So uh, it's pretty simple. They're, they're, all those guys are pretty easy to work with. So I think we, we trusted the order and we just went for it. And I must clarify, I looked up the results. The MVP statement was because you you beat the Kenyan by 11 seconds and the Ethiopian by 12. So I've got some stats to back that up there. Uh, my <laughs> final question, Jess, is I see that you've been uh, listed to run at Stall on Easter Monday, the Invitation 1000 Meter Handicap race there. First time at Stall, I'm guessing. Any excited about that? We love Stall yeah. on this show. <laughs> so, Brady, love, Brady loves Stall. <laughs> As a past winner. <laughs> two, Jess, two wins. <laughs> two wins. <laughs> yeah, no, it'll be my first time down there, but I'm pretty pumped for it. I think it's a, it's a fun way to kind of spend the week leading off um, nationals after such kind of a bit more intensity and a bit more pressure. It'll be fun to just go down there and race hard and, um, yeah, get amongst the handicaps and sort of see what happens. It'll be cool to be down there and even to watch the 120-meter gifts as well. Like, I mean, they've always tuned in on Easter Monday, so to be there firsthand and um, get a feel for that atmosphere, it's going to be pretty awesome. Do you know your handicaps? Have they been announced yet? Uh, I do know they sent the 1K ones in an email. Oh, are we allowed to take? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. If yeah. you've got them, they must yeah. be public. Yeah. Are you back? Yeah. It's a thousand meters, so you're up against like the 800 meter girls. I know that like Cat Bissett's there as well. So like, where have they put you on the start? Yeah. So they have put Abby and myself 
artwork scratch. So we're both the back markers. And then um, Lyndon and Georgia are off two metres just in front of us. Um, Katrina's off eight metres. And then Claudia Hollingsworth off 10 and Morty Skyrim off 20. And so it's idea. pretty tightly bunched. Yeah. 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 Oh, that'd be fun Except to watch that. Tight. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It'll be different on the grass as well. Like, be interesting to see how it unfolds. Yeah, it will be. Any more questions for our boys? Uh, I've got a couple of like quick ones. One is about your mentality on the start line because every time a, a camera goes to you, you genuinely look so happy to be there. Whereas I'm sure a lot of our listeners, um, when they're on the start line, they love running. They love the idea of running a PB, but they just want the event to be over because they're nervous, then, you know, not really looking forward to the race, but are you like genuinely so excited to be there or deep down, do you have a heap of nerves? Oh, I'm definitely very excited to be there. I love being out there. I think um, racing's the fun part, training's the hard part. That's the fun part too, but it, I mean, yeah, I, you do all of that to, in the end, go and race. So I think I try and, um, I try and show some confidence on the start line by being pretty happy and relaxed. And um, I'd say 95% of the time, that's pretty genuine. Um, there are the other points in time where you're so nervous that you're just like, I have to smile because mum and dad are watching at home and if I look terrified, they're going to be terrified. But Can you give us an example of one of those races? Uh, Commonwealth Games final, yeah. <laughs> I was uh, pretty nervous heading into that one just because I didn't quite know what I was going to be working with off the back of um, COVID. And then I would also say probably... The Madrid indoor 1500 I ran in March last year. Um, that was a pretty much a turning point in like my indoor season had been pretty rough at that to that point. And um, I think both mum and dad watching from home were starting to be like, oh, oh, like, is she doing okay? And then um, they seen my face on the start line for that race. And um, they were both like, okay, <laughs> like you need to stop being so nervous and just relax and let this come and let your fitness come back. So um, I think those two races probably significantly of like yeah mm. tried to smile on the start line but um definitely was was not feeling as excited to be there as I, I am most of the time and last one for me um so we're in the first week of april how would you compare your fitness now to other years at the same time and what are some of your major goals for this year um i think in terms of other years this is definitely probably the most ready i've been in april um, and like, I mean, mentally and physically, probably, I feel like I've made some good inroads over the off season and, um, through the domestic season. So I think, yeah, I'm excited for the rest of the year and it's cool to be in a great spot in April, but the championships are in August. So I know I've got to kind of reset and keep going for a while now, but, um, yeah, I want to make that world championship final in the 1500 and, uh, I come seventh last year and I'd like to be a lot higher. I, like to be running for a medal and then if you miss a medal you're kind of in that fourth and fifth region i think that would be a pretty successful day um and then yeah i want to i want to go pretty quick this year across the board and um definitely the 15 and 5k i think i've got some a lot of seconds to take down and um hopefully hold on to my national record because i think um it's going to be a sought after thing this year between the four of us um going hard at that currently at 358 i think um we'll end the season with more than one of us well below that 
Jess, would you ever step up to the 10K to have a crack at that Australian record? 30-37, Benitez? Yeah, that was, um, I was cooling down for the five, from the 5K on Sunday and um, Daniel had said something to Dad about the 10K and Dad said to him, I'll go and ask her how she feels about a 10K now that she's just yeah. finished the five. And um, he come and said it to me, he was like, would you run the 10? And I'm like, you know, it doesn't scare me as much as it used to, but um, I think in a way, I love the sport so much. I think it's my way to stay in it and um, maintain some longevity that eventually I probably will move up. Um, but, yeah, Benita's 10K mark, I think that's the strongest record in the book, um, even currently. 3037 is so legit. And um, I think uh, definitely three years ago before I started taking some time off her current records, um, it was definitely the strongest mark. And I think probably if we put it in the scoring table now, it's still the strongest mark and it stood for so long that... Um, yeah, I have to respect it. It's not going to come easy, but maybe one day I'll have a crack. Yeah, you're right. It is her strongest, 1,213 points. Her marathon's 1,207 points. Feels like you've studied that, Jess. Looked it up already. <laughs> I just know that um, in terms of like the women that do run the 10K, it's only really the last probably 18 months that you've started to see sub-31 become the norm. Mm. Um, and she was doing this nearly 20 years ago without super shoes so mm. it's it stood the test of time for a reason yeah it certainly has any more questions Moose? no no question just um i just like i can't think of a more universally loved athlete in australia than you right now <laughs> and and that's like we are like i run in a big group and on sunday i remember us chatting and just like the the agile is adulation the right word that, that the whole group has for you, Jess, and I'm I'm just thinking we never speak about anyone like this. Like we're, mm. it's just it's it's really cool. Even my wife watched the other night and she's like, just cheering for you. And I, I don't know how, I don't I mean obviously like you're brilliant with the media, but I just think you're genuine. Like you're so genuine and and raw, and you come on all these shows and you've you've built yourself a massive fan base in Australia, even without like basing yourself here. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think I just love to run and I love being out there and I, I hope that's what people take away when they see me run. It's just like that I do truly love being out there and the results are just a bonus. Yeah, well, you, you, you're, the, you, you're the number one like pin up at the moment, I reckon. <laughs> Thank you. There's a lot of people coming through, so yeah, it's um, there's a lot of lots to be excited about in Australian athletics, not just me. You are good at doing that too, Jess. Giving other people kudos to try to try to take the attention off you. I've noticed. So, uh, well, massive thanks for coming on. I know. Um, even this is a good example of that Moose message Jess yesterday. Couldn't do last night, but was more than happy to try and make a time that fits. So it was. Uh, sometimes people don't get back to us, or if it doesn't work, it's not an option. But she was very flexible in trying to make it work for the inside running podcast listeners tonight so we really appreciate that jess thank you thanks for your flexibility as well <laughs> no worries at all that's the very least we could do thanks jess and uh good luck at store on easter monday thank you Talk see you jess see you. Bye. Bye. all right boys the next part of the results do you want to go 800 croaks uh yeah so in the men's uh riley mcgowan from canberra he got the win in 147.67 Beat Lachlan Raper, 147.83, and Luke Boys was third in 147.9. Now, the one thing that I've loved, like I've actually really enjoyed the 800 this season. So obviously we haven't had guys like, you know, Peter Boll and, and Joey Deng. And so that sort of next tier of athletes have been 
I guess, able to, you know, have a bit of the limelight and they've been so close. Like just about every 800 metre race at the the Grand Prix, you could throw a blanket over them with 100 to go. And this was no different, you know, like you got Charlie Hunter missing a medal here, finishing finishing fourth. So, um, yeah, that was a really exciting race. In the women's, uh, it was a little bit different. Kat Bissett did a bit of a Jess Hull, just went from the gun. Um, She ran 158.32, which was a meet record. Ellie Sanford ran another PB, 2 minutes 0.50, and Laura Roth was third for 204.43. So that's the fourth Australian 800-metre title in a row for Kat and the fastest she's run on Australian soil. Yeah, nice. that's, sol- that's solid, isn't it? That 158, 3-2. Well, it's t- time fastest it. all time too, isn't it? Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's like there was no pacemaker here. And I, I heard somebody on the commentary say, like, surely that's got to be worth like a 157 point something in, in a race with people around you and, and a pacemaker taking you through 400, 500. She has always enjoyed racing like that, though, hasn't she? When yeah, she first yeah. came onto the scene, that was her style, and she could get it done and then go to Europe and not go, like, massively quicker. Correct. Mm. Yeah, That's, she seems right to thrive on that, yeah. Um, yeah, it's impressive. And four in a row over an event like the 800 is, is hard, especially when she's got to get herself up for the European summers as well. Uh, the men's 1500, Cal Davis got the win there, 337.9. Beat the 16-year-old Cameron Myers in second, 338.02. Matthew Ramsden was third, 338.3. Pretty fast for a national championships. Mm. Went out hard. Um, Cameron Myers did a lot of the work. And then out the back straight, probably 250 metres to go, Ramsden went around him. And he kind of he got in before the bend, which looked like it kind of slowed Myers a bit going around the bend. But he still looked super relaxed. And then Callum Davies was just tracking them both nicely. Kind of, you didn't really see him anywhere. Well, he was near the front, but he wasn't on the front throughout the race at all. And then come flying home, um, down the home straight. And Myers kind of a bit boxed in and then kind yeah. of got out and then, yeah, kind of dipped. But he was never going to dip far enough to get Cal Davies, which I'd say is an upset. Cal Davies winning that race. I think, um, yeah, Myers probably just... He's a very good tactician, but it was like that, that move from Rams and just kind of got him in a bit of a box in the rail, and he kind of had nowhere to go. Yeah. We did make Ram- a comment like, yeah, sorry, you go, Moose. Oh, well, Ramsden just more experienced there and kind of owned that spot that he needed on the rail, and it just it pretty much just out alphaed him in that position, and you saw the momentum break from Cam, so he had to check his step. And when you're checking your step with 150, 180 metres to go, it's very hard to get the momentum back. And, and he lost a couple of steps there. And, and then Cal Davies came around him. And, um, and that, that's, why, that's why Myers didn't win, in my mind. Like, I thought he still looked the best down the straight. But kudos to, to Cal Davies, who sort of came out of nowhere. Obviously, won the 5K as well. But, like, we... We, we were watching him running Zatapec 3Ks, and then he's been thereabouts, but he, like, to, to do this, to pull off this, this win in the 15, um, I don't think it's so much the 15 that made it special, it was the double that's made it properly special. Never really been in the conversation to make a senior team, though, has he? Like, you've never thought, oh, the 1500 Cal Davis might, might get a singlet? Not really, but, I mean, 
I mean, you could you could almost argue that he's still not quite there, really, in the in the mix to get a singlet. Not when you're talking about how singlets are given out now. He's been three thirty seven point seven, so he's pretty much nearly ran his PB to win this national championship too, yeah. which is cool. And that's the thing. It's like you got to think back two years ago where the national title you had. Um, Jai Edwards and Stewie running like what three thirty two or something. So yeah. like th- there's still there's still a big gap, and you know Ramsden is obviously not quite in the shape that he you know can be in. Um, but I think Callum like ran tactically like really well because I reckon where Cam because every race this year Cam's been really good at knowing when he's at his limit and just saving enough for the last 50, 60, 70 metres. He always closes well there. But because Ramsden was on the rail and then Callum came out onto Ramsden's shoulder and Cam was boxed in with like 80 to go. So Cam pretty much had to either just wait for an opening or almost like pull back and then try and pull wide, which would have would have like stopped all of his momentum. So I still think Cam had a bit run bit of left in him in that last 50, but he just couldn't open up because the other two were just tactically better. And he did a lot of work as well. I think that's a disappointing result for Ramsden because it was often that that third or fourth when it was Jai, Stewie, Luke Matthews, Gregson. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he just missed teams when he was that third or fourth in line. And now those guys weren't here, and he came in as the professional athlete. And he's a 334 guy, and he had an opportunity to kind of take down, you know, Cal Davies and, and 16-year-old Cam Myers and probably... To, to come away with third, I don't think he'd be happy with that. That was his chance to go, I'm next in line, I'm going to win this race. He was That's injured, not harsh, though. Is it? He, he, but he was injured. Like, he had to pull out of World Cross, so we don't know how much that yeah, impacted things. he ran Mori Plant, so yeah, maybe he yeah. hasn't been going smoothly. He was there, like, though. You know what I mean, like, though? Yeah, yeah. But what's impressive is, like, firstly, 338 at 16, but just the way, the maturity that he's not intimidated by these guys. Like at six, like think of think about what you were like at sixteen, oh, mate. Doing kickflips like, over oh. the fun box at the skate park mm. at sixteen. Jeez, I was bloody scared to talk to bloody twenty-five year olds or whatever, and here he is, like taking on some of the best. You've like been just... talking to heaps of girls at sixteen, mate. <laughs> what are you talking about? Whatever. All right, move on. Uh, where are we up to? We've done the women's fifteen. <laughs> a bit all over the place, aren't we? Men's five. Yeah. yeah, this this to me was the the impressive win. Well, they both they were both very impressive, but this was where I couldn't we couldn't pick it because the race was so tight going down to the to the line. Um, the it was reasonably slow early, and then who jumped on the front to quicken it? Clifford decided to go out to the front and make it a little quicker, uh, and then um, your mate Brady um, Seth O'Donnell he came from like middle pack and. My mate and your stock pick, Moose, as athlete, is going to improve the most in 2023. My pick? You picked him as your man. Yeah. Remember yeah, I said man. beware of, like, the um, the band influence? If he's in a band and it could go uh, go down the music path, but he's still on the track. But he's your, your pick. But he, I'm a big still fan early. of Seth O'Donnell. He's my might man, have, though. Might have to t- tell him to uh, just change his tactics a little bit if he's going to, um, if he's going to be in the mix at the end. Because he went out, he, he dropped... Well, I don't it know. Must what have been a sixty, wasn't it? He was flying. It was like eight laps to go. Still, it was bloody early on, and he's put like 50, 60 meters into the rest of the crew, and uh, stayed out in front for three laps or four laps. Um, and then they gobbled him up, and and then it just started to to ramp up and ramp up. And 
Callum Davies has sort of come from sort of the like you didn't really see him until about 400 to go. And at 400 to go, you're like, oh, this guy won the 15 yesterday. He's got some toe. And he just found himself in the exact right position. And um, he took advantage of what was probably not the strongest 5K field as well. So he knew, but he's done it perfectly. Like he can only beat who shows up. And he put himself there 400 to go and basically just did not let anybody pass him. There was a fascinating last 50, though, because Hanson went to the front and went past. And then and when, and then Bruce was there. Like, they were all there. And then Cal Davies just come back on the inside, which is rare to see once people pass from the outside with 50 metres to go. Well, it was less than 0.4 from yeah. first to third. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, fascinating race. But, uh, yeah, still missing that top run of superstars, though, isn't it? Like, yeah. Yeah. Stewie. Well, like no Stewie, no Jack, you know, Brett, even right. though he's moved up to the marathon. Um, guys, like I know like Rory Hunter even, like I thought on, on paper like Rory Hunter was probably the guy to beat, but then he pulled out as well. Um, he beat who's but, there though for Cal Davis. Like, yeah, Matt McIntyre. So there's a lot of guys missing, but yeah, as you said, you can only beat who turns up. And to do it, you know, after the 1500. First time the doubles happened in 67 years. John yeah, Landy was the last person to do it in 1956. The way the way he came back that last fifty, that was where you know there's something special in there. The way like there's grit in that mm. in that um, in that man, like yeah. real uh, yeah fire. Because uh, a lot of guys that go, you know what, I won the probably won the fifteen. I'm having a fucking brilliant meet right here. I'm yeah. gonna get a medal in a five. Third but, looks good. Yeah, third looks real good. Uh, and you could see at the end, all of them cooked. Like that final mm. fight, that final um, lap was was on and um yeah i think we are seeing like the emergence here he see the thing about cal davies we talk about his times aren't that quick 337 and and 1352 he only needs to run as fast as he needs to run to win like he doesn't yeah. need to, to He's run only 23 too and that nash having a national championship next to your name when we start thinking about points or you know if he can get a qualifier like you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, but his job his job is out there to win, not run yeah. fast. Yeah. And he's just he's basically done all that he could do. He was perfect for the weekend, so um, he'll get his chance to run fast later in the year. Yeah, trained with him once at Falls Creek, destroyed me, absolutely yeah. destroyed you sound, me. You sound surprised, Brady. Yeah, well, he was only about eighteen, <laughs> I reckon. Yeah, he went to World Juniors though. Him and Clifford smoked me up on the aqueduct doing one k reps. That's when I was going well, too. Steve you know, Crouch. though, oh, he's, yep. he's, he's, he's got a bit of an iconic look about him. Yeah. You know, not, a, not a lot of blokes roll the long hair sort of headband with the glasses. Yeah, like, I like it. Well, he used, to always, race, he used to always run in a hat. He used to always race in yeah, a hat, right. remember? Yeah, 1500s, yeah. Yeah, he's growing the hair out a bit. All right. Croaks, Steeple, Moose, Steeple, you were telling me about this. This has Croaks oh, yeah. kicking it for the year, Amy Cashin as well. So a bit of our stock options are in here. How did Caitlin Adams go in the 5K? Uh, she was she chased Jess for at the start. You see that? Well, I, I, probably... I couldn't see anything because the coverage was all just on Jess. No, nah, first, that's what I said. She yeah. chased Jess. In 200 um, metres in. Yeah, and then she was in that front pack for a bit. Uh, that's about all I saw. I'll have to look that up. Um, ben Buckingham won the men's. And this was a very good race. So 840.52 beat Matt Clark 840.79 with uh, Luke Graves third, 848.20. And 
these guys have had some ding dong battles already this year, and and this was another one of them. So the it it, it took a while for Bucks to get going. Well, he, he basically timed his run later, and I think he got about I think it was about um, was it six hundred to go. Oh, I reckon it might have even been the last two laps, close to like eight hundred. Like I reckon it's close to eight hundred. Maybe it was a yeah okay maybe a eight hundred. But I when he went. He actually, it was. I thought it was on the back straight though, and he dropped the the move. And Matt Clark kind of wasn't. It's almost like he lost concentration of what was going on because he'd been tracking Bucks the whole time, and then he 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 got he missed the jump on him, and so all of a sudden there was like a four meter gap, five meter gap just out of nowhere, and it's it's hard to get that back uh, when when the surge has been made. And I reckon Matt. If he if he had have covered that a little bit quicker, he wouldn't have been in the in the debt that he was later on. Uh, but then they they pretty much ran like just on each other that three meter gap there the whole um, last eight hundred, and then it came down to the water jump and Matt Clark had sort of come up on him a little bit I reckon, and um, Bucks went over. You could see both of them starting to tie up, like. Bucks is a lot nicer. I mean, um, Matt Clark's a lot nicer of a mover than than Bucks is, and um, Bucks was starting to turn into a bit of a robot down that <laughs> on that final straight. And you think, oh shit, I reckon Matt Clark gets in here, but Clark was doing the same thing. It looks like a tough race, the old steeple when they when they <laughs> jump that last jump. <laughs> I could not think of anything worse because you think about how heavy your legs are at the end of a 3K with no steeples. Like, you're getting lactic and you've still got to jump something with 50 metres to go. Oh, I could not think of anything worse. Nah. That's why they always nah. stack on the last one. How many, yeah, like, well, world champs and Olympics and even this women's race do you see someone always goes down on that last hurdle? And, yeah. and well, how important is technique? To me, yeah. that, that that's like the most underestimated, well, I don't even know if it's underestimated in the steeper world, but the ability to come off that water jump at the end with just perfect form and um, even just the saving energy, getting over the, the hurdles each lap, you could probably be like a 20-second, 30-second flat, slower 3K runner and match it if, with, if you had beautiful technique. Well, see how Bucks on the last one with 50 to go, he didn't, like, hurdle it. He just did, a, like, a little touch Yeah. Like, on top because, obviously, you know, <laughs> it was pretty cooked and it was probably the safer option was just to, you know, a little little touch off it and then, yeah, manage to hold on. I wonder how much practice they do on that stuff, like when they're really tired practicing hurdling. Mm, don't, don't know. know. Be a good question for them. Um, in the ladies, pretty dramatic finish. Uh, the... The race came down to um, it was kind of a battle of two in the last kind of 200 metres. Um, Carafine Ryan, the Queenslander, um, and Georgia Wincup were sort of going at each other. Um, Wincup got a gap coming off that last sort of water jump and she'd put a bit of space between her and, and Fiend Ryan. And um, similar to the Bucks-Clark situation, Finn Ryan is a really sort of smooth mover, like big, long stride. Um, and I reckon she was gaining on Winkup coming down the final straight. Winkup's moved to the right out of lane one, kind of into lane two as she was about to go over the hurdle. And I'm not sure whether that's caused her to catch her foot on the 
on the like on the beam, but then she's gone sort of face plant over that and pretty nasty to watch. Like I just I let out a big like sort of <laughs> bit of a shock at the time. Um, and Fien Ryan's gone past for a win, and I'm not sure she even saw that she fell over uh, at, at the end, like because it happened right as she went to pass. Um, so it was it was it was a really dramatic ending. Win Cup stood up and pulled in for second, so very tough by her to be able to get up with like all that adrenaline and emotion flowing through you. She's got the composure to stand up and finish second, and Amy Cashin in third. Um, just one second back. Close race. There was a good performance down in um, Tassie. This is the Hobart Marathon, not the Cadbury one. I was talking to someone on the weekend and they got confused. They said, yep, they ran that course. It's a bit hilly. And I'm like, no, no, this is a completely different event. So this is the Hobart Marathon. Maybe Hobart, it's... Hobart Airport Marathon Festival, it's called. Okay. But it's in town, isn't it? I'm it's sure in town, but it's obviously, it a lot. it's obviously sponsored by the airport. Yeah. So Tim Vincent ran 63.52 on a hilly half marathon course down there in Hobart. When I looked at the results though, like it's a real, um, I guess, not supported at all f- by the elites other than kind of like Tim and a few other people because there was only five people under three hours, male and female, in the marathon and only two people under 70 minutes in the um, in the half marathon. So not sure why faster runners aren't turning up to that event. Um, Nick might Nash- have an... It's Nash- Nationals weekend? Yeah, but there's also that road running scene, isn't it? Like the people who don't like doing track and field. But yeah, hasn't hasn't hit. I think the money's pretty good down there. I think there's some good prize money. But sixty-three fifty though on that sort of course. I think it's like two hundred meters of elevation over the half, which is pretty hilly. Yeah, he's good at running halves, Timmy Vincent. So um, mm. yeah, good result for him. He's obviously fit. Uh, the other thing was Helena Beery has been announced for the Boston Marathon which is Monday the 17th of April, two weeks yesterday. That's a late announcement, boys, isn't it? She did New York as her debut. Things didn't go well there. Well, they went well relative, but not for what she was expecting. Um, so she must be obviously fit, and they've kind of put a late entry in. Think that's paid, weird? Paid, paid good money, I suppose. Paid good money, yeah. Maybe they've had a few pullouts, and there's a bit of money still in the pot. Had a crack at her. Um, that two weeks, I've heard nothing about Kipchoke doing that. Do you reckon it's being yeah, really quiet? There's a, video, there's a video on, um, I watched YouTube today with Pia in between you? watching the, the Wiggles. You turned I'm off like, Coco Melon and you've gone with, uh, we've got some mail about that actually. We'll talk yeah, about it at the end of the show. One of the big dogs from Coco Melon wrote in. Yeah, but I'm like, fuck, I'm going to, I need a bit of me time on YouTube for a bit. So I clicked this Elliot Kipchoge video and it was him training in um, Kenya. Like, it was a pretty good video, actually. Was it the NN running one? Yeah, it was. Oh, okay. I've seen people quoting the stuff he said in that video, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, obviously, it's fit. They'll, they'll turn up the hype machine in the next two weeks. Um, and Alicia McCoglin, she broke the British half marathon record. She ran 65.43 at the Berlin half marathon, about to make her debut at London Marathon. So she's fit, boys, 65.43. She's going to run 218, isn't she? First marathon, you never know, but she's in shape to do that. You never know with the marathon. It's mm. a different sport, so I'm not going to go and make – I don't know. I don't know. 65.43, three weeks out. Like, don't care. I don't, don't care no, I'm saying, I'm, no, no, I'm saying not traditional, that you'd go that hard three weeks out. I've run 65, and that would take me – I'd need a week to recover from that. And now yeah, like, all of a sudden she's into the taper. 
coming off an injury that had her pulling out of um, New York half as well. Yeah, and so, she ran so, just 30 flat a couple of weeks before that. So she had some intense racing in this build-up. Does race a lot. Mm. Does race a lot. And, yeah, so, like, it'll be a bit of a case study, mm. won't it, when we see, like, even her, just her running style, just go, is this suit a marathon? Fuck, I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> I hope I'm proven wrong, but I reckon um, – she won't convert as well to the marathon as what she's been running over five, oh, sorry, five, ten and the half at the moment. Well, you can't really, can you? You can't be in that specific like 10K fitness and then go and run a marathon. Well, in my mind, you can't. You, you haven't been doing the right sort of work. Yeah. Like, I don't know what she's been doing, but I, I would say, Brady, like, if one of those, um, like, Kenyans or Ethiopians who run 65-43, but they're marathoners, I go, yep, they'll probably run 218 at whatever marathon they're going to do. But um, McColgan running 65-43, given her background, doesn't then equate to 218 for me. Like, it, it probably... I think if she runs under 220, it would be a good run. I even think if she runs like under 221, it would be a great debut. And I think it's probably going to be more around that than 218. Yep, fair that's enough. That's just my, my prediction. Good prediction. Um, that's all I've got for running news, boys, with the Jess Hull interview thrown in the middle there. Can we skip list a question and do that next yeah, week and just go Moose on the Loose and then yep. what's coming up because it wouldn't be bad getting to bed at a decent hour tonight. Moose on the Loose, what do you got? Oh, I, I don't have a lot. Don't have a lot because I'm in running mode now. I'm feeling good about things. I'm feeling fine. I um, gee, what have I been mad at? I've I've I was mad at something the other week, wasn't I? It, it was um, it was it was a bit of promotional stuff. Like um, we decided not to talk about it though, so I'm going to oh, leave it yeah. out. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to leave it out. But Can you just yeah, give me a hint. I can't even remember one, what it was. It was, oh. it was around um, national bodies and state mm. bodies promoting stuff. On their social um, media. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did like that one. Yeah, that we'll, le- we'll leave that because we don't want to pay it too much attention. Um, but, hey, we might be able to pay for it soon. So we'll get Zachary onto that. Yeah. Well, he um, sent an inquiry. He sent an inquiry. What are the fees to get it publicized mm. on the AA and um the podcast promotion you're talking about. Well, yeah. maybe after, maybe after our interview this episode, maybe oh, we'll surely. get a bit of love. We've got Jess Hull on. Surely they'll promote yeah. our episode. We've got Jess Hull, the queen of Australian middle distance runner, the record holder. Do you reckon they'll give us a bit of a shout out? Maybe. I don't know, mate. We've, we've we're the bad boys, though. We're the bad. We've maybe if we do, maybe we put together 300 episodes, Moose, and then we'll get some kind of credibility with the state and national body of promoting the sport in this country. Every single. XER race for the last fucking five years we've we've, <laughs> we've, we've we've promoted and reviewed so I don't like our chances of getting any sort of uh, any sort of promotion there. I feel like there's this big, or maybe it's not big, but there's this little circle of like, it's not what you know, it's who you know kind of vibe, and yeah. us three are definitely not in that circle. Someone got the password for that fucking Instagram and they're like, I'm going to look after me mates here. <laughs> yeah, <maybe laughs> Who's got a it. Who wants to sell some shoes off the AV account? Yeah. <laughs> uh, very good. I like it. Wasn't much of a moose on the loose, but what, no, was a, a, bit, we a know bit of a cryptic. It was a cryptic moose on the we loose. We know what you're talking about. Just go back and search <laughs> the governing bodies' uh, Instagram accounts and see what we're talking about. Uh, what's coming up, boys? Store gift this Monday, and I'm only put that in there because our man Nitter from Shoe Geeks is running the Herb Hederman. He's off 95 metres, so he's going to have a big chance of winning that thing. He's off the front mark like I was last year. 
So wouldn't it be good if we get the stall slash two years in a row from the Inside Runner podcast? Watch out for that Look, on live all, TV I'm on Monday. I'm all for Nita to win, but I, I am not cheering for a front marker. It's, it's only it's two, two places it's hard to win, Moose, back mark and front, front mark, mark, second front hardest one. Front markers should not be cheered mm. for. You can't they see anything be... off the front mark. you just got to run blind. Anyway, yeah, good luck, I'm... Nita, if you're out there listening. Man, who's been exchanging some um, tactics about how he's going to get it done, so make sure, listeners, that you're cheering at your TV screen on Monday, Easter Monday. Can't believe that the Easter Monday massacre was nearly 12 months ago, fellas. But anyway, <laughs> Boston two weeks today, uh, two weeks <laughs> yesterday. And let me get this time next year, you'll be saying the same thing. Can't believe it was two years ago. Yeah, I've been saying it for uh, 11 years now, Croaks, after the first one. Anyway, what's coming up in your life? Anything? Uh, I'm heading to the coast for my mum's 70th birthday party. We're going down to like a caravan park down near Batemans Bay. and oh, Beautiful. What's your mum's name? Hannah. Big Hannah for a 70th. Yeah. Hannah? That's a pretty young name for 70, yeah, isn't it? Turns, uh, yeah, Turns... Yeah, 70 on Good Friday. Has she changed her name now? She was born with that name? Yep, yep. No, And no second H at the end, so H-A-N-N-A. Oh, yeah, that's oh, the hipster German way too. No, that's she's... like German. Well, she's German. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yep. My grandparents, uh, yeah, so they, my grandparents came over from Germany and then mum was born here. There hmm. you go, hey? Didn't know that. Moose, what do you got coming up for Easter? Oh, well, I might go down and watch some surfing. Bit of Bell's Beach. Oh, yeah. Bit of the Bells Beach classic. Death on a stick out there, mate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that'll be fun. The coast will be crowded down here. This, but I've got a couple of days off, so I might double, Brady. I might get those up, get that mileage up. No yeah. down week. Make it get real. Make it an RG, 4.45 pace. Just tick the legs over, Moose. Five-minute pace for me. Yeah, it's a beautiful that's, that's time. That's your RG. Pace. Yeah, it's a beautiful time of the year to be running, isn't it? Oh, it's the best mornings oh, of all. This magical. is... This is the time. Yeah. These next two or three weeks, beautiful time to be running. Add some Ks to your program, listeners. Get out there for a few extra. 100%. Uh, very good, boys. I'll see you on the other side of Easter. Thanks for listening, listeners. Hope you enjoyed episode number 283 and Jessica Hull in there. Massive thanks to her again for coming on. We'll do it all again next week. See you, boys. See you, guys. See ya. Special thanks to ASICS for sponsoring this week's episode of the Inside Running Podcast. The Super Blast Shoe adds another super running companion to your ASICS lineup. Generous, lightweight cushioning underfoot minimizes the impact of repeat training on the body, making it ideal for longer runs, faster attempts, and recovery training. Visit asics.com.au to get your pair today.